Hello and welcome to another episode of Consumer, the European podcast of the Consumer Choice Center. As always, I'm your host, Bill Words, with Billy Joel's pressure fading out in the background. You are listening to episode 135 on November 9th, 2023. The first episode of the Fun Police podcast series is dropping next week on Wednesday, so please do go and subscribe to Fun Police wherever you are listening to this podcast right now and tick the notification bell so you never miss a new episode coming out. And as we are working hard to get you the best possible episodes for Fun Police, we are not having news stories this week. But I did record a conversation last week with Donald Kimball, communication manager for the Washington Policy Center and Young Voices contributor. We talked about net neutrality. What is that anyway? And why is it so popular with some policymakers in the US and in Europe? Donald Kimball from Young Voices. We're talking about net neutrality. And net neutrality has been an uh, issue, as the European listeners will know, uh, in uh, Europe, but it's been equally hotly debated in the United States. And you have a recent piece in the National Review uh, titled, As Biden Tries to Revive Net Neutrality, Remember Proponents' Bogus Claims. Uh, So first off, for the listeners who hear this for the very first time, what is net neutrality? What does net neutrality try to achieve? Yeah, net neutrality is a term that encompasses more of a principle than a specific law, but there are specific laws that have enacted net neutrality principles. So the the rough idea of net neutrality would be that the internet should be a free and open marketplace, and the way that you achieve that is by disallowing internet service providers from discriminating in the way that they serve their data. So that means they would have to treat all traffic from all sources of all types equally. You can't give prioritization to any kind of service. So for instance, this would prevent an ISP from allowing a consumer to purchase a package that would give them uh, unlimited or faster data to a specific service. Like if they wanted to pay extra for um, unlimited data to Netflix, that would be discriminating in the way that Netflix video data is being treated compared to others. So you can't do that. And on on the flip side, it also prevents them from discriminating and requiring those services like Netflix to pay more for the data that they are uploading through their service. The idea, sort of the the steel man argument of it, is that you you prevent consumers from being harmed by disallowing this type of discrimination. That's that's sort of the, the rosy lens picture of what net neutrality would be. In its practical application, it actually usually has more harmful effects, though. And so we'll get in on that. And for the listeners who might not know, ISP is Internet Service uh, yeah. Providers. Um, and so a couple of years ago, when the United States um, was, was was debating this, I saw those uh, those uh, pictures uh, on, um, uh, on Twitter, now X, about what could potentially happen uh, if, uh, if net neutrality uh, ended, uh, which is, you know, these very convoluted schemes of potentially what each individual service that you might be charged for, maybe even the amount of likes that you put on a Facebook post (laughs) or on a tweet that might be charged extra if net neutrality ended. Uh, So in your piece in National Review, you looked at some of these type of claims uh, and you dissected them and looked at how true they've become. Can you lead us through some of them? Yeah, absolutely. Those kinds of conversations and those posts on Twitter and OWX, that really spurred me to write this article once I heard net neutrality rules were going to be revived. Uh, just for a little background for those who, who don't know, in 2015, 
the United States adopted net neutrality into official policy through the open internet order that was put in place by our FCC, our Federal Communications Commission, and that that reclassified uh, our internet as sort of a public utility in the same way that phone lines or radio waves would be so that they had more oversight. And they imp- implemented these controls. Uh, and Europe actually did it in the same year, I believe. I believe it was also 2015. They adopted the, them formally, similar rules. Uh, but unlike Europe, in 2017, uh, well, just at the end of 2017 and then the start of 2018, we re- repealed these rules. So for the past six years or so, we have not had these rules. Now, that's what a lot of these claims, what, when the repeal was going through, that's when they were coming out. Because uh, John Oliver very famously did a whole piece on his his show talking about net neutrality, got people all worked up about these crazy, horrible things that were going to happen. And so now we have about six years of data of no net neutrality. And of course, we have the beginning of the internet as we know it as well. But anything pre-2015 and anything post-2017 to look at. And so referencing some of those pictures, some of my favorites included an image that they would show. And it it was a page from a mobile network provider in a, a South American country. And so the the language, of course, was, I believe, Spanish. So no one was actually reading what was on there, but they were showing these groupings of, of applications and services like Snapchat and Facebook, and it showed prices. And people were would fearmonger with these kinds of images saying, hey, look, without net neutrality, like this country down here, it does not have net neutrality. So without net neutrality, you're going to have to start paying extra to use Facebook, or you're going to have to start you know, paying, I remember one claim was like, what if you had to pay a dollar per Google search you used, you know, these kinds of fear mongering things. And of course, none of those claims have come true in in the interceding years. That's, that's one of the first claims I tackle. And in fact, when you look at that image of the different packages of apps and services, that was a mobile phone provider that was giving consumers a choice that if they wanted to pay those extra costs that was associated with each package, that the use of those apps wouldn't go towards their data caps. So it was a completely optional service. It was one that gave consumers choice about how they wanted to use their data. If someone knew knew they were going to be going over on their data, but the only reason why was because they streamed Netflix every month, they could pay that little bit extra to not get data uh, charges from the, the mobile provider. So it was a complete non sequitur argument anyway. But even still, it demonstrated the advantages of not having net neutrality because you could discriminate with the kinds of behavior. You gave consumers more choices. Right. So, so a lot of that, uh, a lot of that, turned out not to be true. And yet, you say that net neutrality is back on the agenda um, under 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 this administration now in the United States. Um, what does that look like? Would that be the exact same implementation that was there in the past, or um, just uh, you know linking up with the with the European model? Uh, what exactly is under discussion now? Yeah, from from what it looks like, based on a, a recent vote that happened, it looks to to be a very similar thing to what we adopted previously, which would again classify the internet under Title II of our I think is 1934 Communications Act, and that again gives the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, more regulatory control over the internet than it currently has. Right now, they have a very broad oversight with a light touch. This would give them a lot more sweeping control to have the authority to rate regulate or or control prices. Or th- There's even um, moves to, to want to have them be able to choose whether or not 
Uh, there are fair implementations of things, and, and the term fair is not very well defined. So it's mostly a return to what would have been implemented in 2015, but there's more nefarious encroaching authority given. And one of our commissioners on the FCC, Brendan Carr, he has made some very good arguments as to sort of the, the path that this leads towards and how this will harm consumers. And, and when you look, I mean, when you look at the U.S. and, and the EU, I think um, it shows a very different picture of what net neutrality can look like, especially during COVID. And you can see the harms that net neutrality type regulations create because it disincentivizes a lot of investment in our broadband infrastructure. So during COVID, that was when the internet really got stress tested for most of the world because we were required to stay at home. Many, if not all businesses that could, were, were operating out of people's homes and remote. The, the internet was, was really, really tried and, and, and taxed. And what we saw in Europe was the regulators responded by to this upswing in traffic by saying, hey, Netflix, YouTube, you really need to throttle your, your services. We need everyone to pare down so we don't have this collapse of the internet. Meanwhile, the United States, which had the highest data usage per capita, exceeded European speeds by about 83% in, in that stress test. So when you look at you know what I wrote about in my article, all of these different claims about all these doomsday uh, predictions not coming true, you know, small businesses were going to have to be stifled, political voices would be silenced. None of these things happened in the normal times. Political voices were silenced, but not by internet service providers. Actually, everyone else kind of did it, but not the people uh, that they were worried about silencing voices. Uh, but so, so, you know, during the normal times, the, none of these doomsday predictions came true. And then when a, an actual sort of doomsday event occurred, COVID, you actually saw the United States have a much better prepared state uh, than the EU, which had these net neutrality type regulations. But there are concerns in the United States over the access to viable, uh, reliable, fast uh, internet, um, uh, because while it might be uh, might be very workable in large cities uh, that are equipped uh, for for those usage, where a lot of people work remotely. Uh, it doesn't necessarily look like this in the countryside. This is as true in, in many European countries as it is uh, in the United States, I'm sure. Um, and you also mentioned in your article that are that there are justified concerns of, of some of the, the proponents of net neutrality that, that could be addressed. Can you get into some of those? Yeah, the biggest claim that net neutrality proponents make that I think is a warranted worry is the relative lack of competition and or access to internet service providers throughout the United States. I, I don't have time in the article to get into it, but there are some other really great institutions that I have uh, written, excuse me, borrowed research from and and uh, read up on from that, that make the argument very well that while this may be a concern, net neutrality is not the right way to address this. It actually doesn't help increase competition. When you think about competition broadly or, or consumer choice. There are sort of two ways of thinking about it. You can measure it by the number of internet service providers available to a given region. And that is a is somewhat of a helpful marker because there can be natural competition there. But the better measure is actually to measure by how many choices consumers have, even if it's coming from within the same company. That way you're actually looking at what the outcome of the competition is. Because if one company operates in an area and you only have one choice, but they offer 
five different levels of service that meets consumer needs, you're operating actually at a much better competitive level than two companies that offer very similar or one service each that are vastly different. There's the law of averages. People like to say, you know, you serve this law of averages with a package. But the, the way that the modern internet works is the law of averages doesn't really serve any one consumer well. And so having multiple choices, even if it's from one company, is often a better marker. Now, with all that being said, the, the competition has been on the upswing. And I think competition has been growing more in the years since we've moved beyond net neutrality than in the years when we had it, especially with services like Starlink now coming online. And there are going to be more of these satellite type connections that have lower latency than historically we've seen. There are more that will be online. So hopefully that will also help shore up these connections. But when you look at the actual stats and numbers, the United States actually tends to have better distribution into its rural areas and a wider spread of access to things like 5G and broadband than Europe does as a whole. So even when you try to compare the two apples to apples, the United States does come out on top, even in what we might argue is the weakest area of competition. And the fascinating thing is that we take a now presumably a very European approach to the question of the use of certain streaming services with the, the European Commission now pondering a fair share tax, uh, which would essentially require uh, the likes of Netflix and others uh, to pay a, a tax to um, to certain companies for their for their increased usage, which is something you addressed earlier that um, uh, the, the the you know without net neutrality uh, could be possible to do um, on, on between between companies. Uh, that fair share proposal, which is lobbied for uh, by by broadband service providers, um, it, has that also been taken up uh, in the U.S.? Uh, we talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, is this something that 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 is a conversation in the U.S. as well that you know those those companies that use a lot of uh, a lot of data should should also be paying for the privilege it it really isn't in in the conversation here because that's one of the things that net neutrality would somewhat prohibit isps excuse me internet service providers from from charging and so i don't think the government wants to push that kind of attacks because they're making the argument that that kind of balance isn't necessary for internet service providers now does that mean down the line they're not going to impose it? Absolutely not. I'm sure if they had their way, they would be sure to implement it. But I don't think they can make the argument simultaneously currently. And, and for what it's worth, it doesn't look like if net neutrality is implemented in the United States, it doesn't look like it has the staying power that it once did based on the current makeup of our United States Supreme Court and a recent decision that happened in 2021 having to do with regulate, uh, regulatory agencies oversight authority and the powers that be. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't want to specifically go into it. Other people have written on this, but there's a wide consensus that it would it might not actually last and it may not have the legal snuff, again, that it did in, in 2018, which is a good thing for us. But it also means that once it does get struck down, I wouldn't be surprised to see the kinds of taxes that you're talking about implemented because we've just opened the, the door to say, well, different content providers should be treated differently. And, you know, as far as taxes go, I don't know that I love that, but it does make sense, at least in principle, that you should treat different data differently because they are providing different services. They take different tolls. They have different requirements, et cetera. 
essentially it becomes incumbent on the government to do a lot of the things that um, you know the market yeah, uh, might right. figure out on its own right and then you have to have a central committee that decides on all of these things well and that's exactly right and and that's one of the other fears about the way that net neutrality would be implemented is what i i kind of alluded to earlier um the fcc would be given authority to make sure that internet service providers are being quote just and reasonable and this is kind of, again, that same principle of they need to pay their fair share, but it's all very nebulous. There's never a strict definition given. And the, the problem with that is when you operate with a nebulous sort of subjective definition in a regulatory law or a regulatory rule, it can create a chilling effect on in the industry because they don't know exactly how to operate. Is what I'm doing going to be considered just and reasonable? We don't know because it's not clearly defined. And someone uh, I was reading put it, you know, it just matters who has the power of the sword at any given time, how that power is going to be wielded. And that's one of the, again, one of the the downfalls of writing in laws or, or rules that aren't clearly defined. So that's another one of these things where you can decide what the fair share that Netflix needs to pay is now. And maybe that changes later. And so it... The, the nebulousness is another concern, I think. Well, in any case, Donald Kimball, so thank you so much for your insights there. Um, where can people find you on the evil social media platforms? <laughs> you can find me at X at Kimball Donald. Uh, I post there from time to time. And uh, other, other than that, you can check out uh, some of the work I do for Washington Policy Center, uh, the organization I work for as well. Well, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And that concludes this week's episode of Consumer. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow Donald Kimball on X at Kimball Donald. And of course, follow the Consumer Choice Center as well at Consumer Choice C. As always, I'm your host, Bill Wirtz, and I'll see you Thursday. You have to learn to pace yourself. Pressure. You're just like everybody.